Lord's been really challenging me on a, on a series of messages for the new year, um, and I was really diving into it. And about a week ago, I thought, well, I'm going to sit down and read the Christmas story again. I, I read it every year, but I just felt compelled to read it. And so I real, really feel like the Lord kind of gave me a, just kind of a prophetic word for you out of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we have a prophet in the house. She's amazing. I intentionally did not read. I have all kinds of people sending me prophetic words. You know, when you're in leadership, everybody wants to send you a prophetic word. And I love the prophetic. Um, I intentionally did not read any prophetic words over the last two months simply because, and I didn't even know the Lord was going to give me a word. I was just working on this series for the new year that I really feel is going to challenge us. And the Lord just began to speak to me out of this story in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And you've heard me talk a little bit about this. I, I, I'm not a Christmas message guy. I'm not a New Year's message guy. I'm, I'm not a Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't dictate uh, what God is speaking to me because we're in a certain holiday. Is that, is that okay? I, I really try my best uh, as your leader, as, as a, you know, a shepherd to, to just, these poles keep me from seeing people. I have to look around these poles all the time. Um, I, I really try to bring what I feel like the Lord is moving us into and what's coming. So I, I believe that this word is, is for this house. Now, if somebody's watching online, they can, they can claim this word, but I, I really feel like the Lord give me this word for this house. And, and it's, it's both encouraging and challenging. Uh, this is what I find. Anytime the Lord really speaks deep prophetic things into my life, it's eye-opening. It's kind of a glimpse of where I'm going. But at the same time, he really challenges me. He challenges me in areas of life and says, hey, let's do this. Let's focus on that. Let's look at this. So, um, you know, my heart, I, I always pray that everything we, we give you, it drips with the love of the Father. That's why we're called Beloved Company. So everything I'm going to share with you tonight is from my heart. It's from an engagement with the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's based on love. And I keep saying this, we are literally right now in the Great Awakening. If, if you're waiting for the Great Awakening, you're actually missing it. We are in it right now. And this is what I felt the Lord say to me about a week and a half ago. He said, it's about to intensify. It's about to get, it's about to grow stronger. It's going gonna, it's gonna to flow more rapid. It's going to carry more strength. And it's going to carry a greater image than we've ever had in our identity and our relationship and walk with the Holy Spirit. So I'm kind of going to go through some verses and teach some stuff. You know me, I'm a word guy. And, and we're going to look at this. But if, if I kind of did, a, I don't know if Brian's got the... Brain's got the keynote. If he's going to use that tonight, if not, it's okay. But I did a keynote, so it's okay if you don't get it. You have to look these scriptures up. This is Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verse 6, and I want you to just follow along, and I'm going to try to sit still. I don't have to move to keep you engaged, do I? Do I have to yell at you? I don't have to yell at you, keep you engaged. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to give you this word. I want to sow it into your life, and you can dissect it and do what you want to do with it, all right? So this is Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 6. It says, and so it was that while they were there in the days of why they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And we know that this is a story of Mary. Um, she's pregnant with child. You know, she's made her journey to Nazareth and, and uh, she's hanging out there. They got themselves, a, you know, an RV kind of would be classified as an RV in that day. Um, they're in a, a, a you know, manger or a stall. And uh, this, this word is given. So she, those days were accomplished. So she carried that seed that was implanted in her for a period of time. And it wasn't implanted by Joseph. It was actually implanted by God. 
It was Holy Spirit given seed. And she, she came to this point of delivery. And let me just stop here and say, let me start saying that he told me to tell you tonight that he has planted, he's planted some seed in you that will represent three different areas in your life. You ready? Write them down. Number one is resemblance. He has planted a new seed of resemblance in you, and you're not going to look the same coming into 2024 that you did in 2023. This word resemblance is a really powerful word. It means likeness and qualities. It's not just you, you taking on a deeper level of your image and identity in him, but you're going to start to flow in the qualities of what that image looks like. It means a state. That word state means a condition of being. The Lord is still rocking me on, on this in him we live, we move, our have our being. I think it's the greatest revelation in the church. It's one of the most overlooked scriptures that we talk about because we simplify it, but it's actually one of the most prophetic utterances over you and me that we have to discover being in him is the source of everything we do, how we live, how we function. It's how we exist. That word exist in the original language means how, how you continue to be. Your, your connection is this continual progress of growth. It's not, it's not that you're being that you're going to be lost. It's a being that you're, you're called to this continual stage of growth. And, and that stage, in order for the church to become what the church needs to be to the world, how many of y'all know we have to look like him more and more and more and more and more? That's the, the transitional process for you and I is to become like Christ, have the mind of Christ. First John 4 and 17 says, as he is in the world, so are we. That's the demand on who we are. That, that's what God is fixing to call out on a different level than we've ever experienced it before. This resembling of who he is. So the first thing he told me, he says, resemblance is where you're headed. The second thing he said was possession. There is a seed in you that God has planted that you've not possessed yet. It's there. Let me, let me just say this. Some of you have sat under the word in this house and didn't even realize that there was a seed that was being planted in you by the Holy Spirit that you don't even know that you have, but it's sitting in you dormant. That truth is there. You, you'll catch truths from a, how many of y'all know you don't catch every truth sometime from a message, but you hear it. The voice is very powerful. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 that I carry life and death in my tongue. You carry life and death in your tongue. So anytime we're speaking revelation truth under the Holy Spirit, what happens is we're actually throwing seed. If you've ever read the parable of the seed and the thrower and the sower, I mean, it's, it's about that. It's about truth. It's about the revelation and the moment that we're getting of spirit-empowered scripture. And so... Um, you know, and, and I encourage you this year, do not take what God is speaking to you lightly. Because it is, it is seed. Now, possession here literally means, in the Hebrew, it means ownership. You are coming into a place of ownership. This is a deeper state of relation. It is the fact of you being that person. It, it's, not, it's not up for grabs. It means you're moving into this place of legal and rightful permission. Let me say it again. Possession is you're moving into this place of legal and rightful 
position. Now, why would God say that? You know, it's hard for me to sit still. Why would God say that? The reason God says that is because sometimes we convince ourselves that we don't have legal and rightful position in our identity in Christ to claim the word and take the word and take the promise and, and grab the seed and crack the seed and allow that thing to bring forth what it intends to bring forth. So God is declaring over you tonight that you have the right as an heir and a co-heir to every seed that's ever been planted in your life. And I believe in seasons and times, but I do believe this. I believe sometimes we can take a truth and it can become a negative in our life where we focus on it from one perspective and we miss the value of it. And I sometimes we get seeds planted in us and we get so trapped in the concept of seasons that we actually miss the moment of now when God says, I want to crack that seed today. I want what's in that seed to come forth. I want it to sprout through the ground. And sometimes we do that simply because of life, of trials, of busyness, of mentalities, of attack, or whatever's going on in our life. It's not God withholding seed and the seed's performance from you. Listen, we, we take a lot of stuff, and I've done this. We take a lot of truth that we get, and we put it out there somewheres in the future because we don't want to take responsibility for it. We don't want to engage in it. Man, I wished every prophetic word I ever got just normally happened. Just bang, I didn't have to do nothing. I'm not earning it, it's already there. Listen, the seed is already in you. You're not earning seed. but you may have a part in cultivating it. I'm using different words because sometimes we use words in the, in the, in the kingdom and, and they're words that have been bad experiences for us. So we automatically reject them. But you are a person of possession right now. Listen to Romans 8 and 17. The fact that we are God's offspring certainly also means that we are equal heirs of God. Not only is God our portion, but we are his. We are co-heirs in Christ. Thus, every reminder of this mystery reinforces the fact that we have been made equal participants in the glory of his resurrection. Let me just say this. I hope you understand that you're actually living on the other side of the cross and the tomb. Let me say it again. I hope you have the revelation that you're actually living not to the cross, but from the cross on the other side of the Christ, cross and from the tomb. I am not dying daily. I'm already dead. I had a real cool thing the Holy Spirit said to me this week. He said, if you're seated in heavenly places, how can you keep working on the dead guy? So you're dead, and the only person sometimes who may not know it may be you. But listen to this. When Jesus ascended into the abyss and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he actually took your old man with him. And when he was resurrected, he actually left him there. 
That's way better news than your looks. This thing about dying has been one of the challenges of my life, my complete life growing up in a very religious format in the church. You're, you're his possession. Everything he has is your possession. Isn't that beautiful? But here's the thing. I'm a participant. What does that mean, Pastor? It means I have a connection to that. That means I engage with that. That means I walk through the process of that. Uh, one of the things I talk a lot about when I talk about prophetic words, pr prophetic words need to be processed. You need to be, the, the two most famous questions in, in Acts was, what meaneth this and what must I do? When we get a prophetic word from the Lord, we should be saying, Lord, what meaneth this and what must I do? How do I engage? How do I connect with this? The third thing he said was completeness. You have the seed of completeness in you. Now listen to this. That word completeness is a Greek word, pleireo. Here's what it means. To accomplish fully. Accomplish would be great. But when, when, when the writer of the book said, when Jesus is talking about this, he's saying to accomplish fully. It means this, to preach fully. You realize every one of us in this room has a sermon. And daily you're preaching it from your life. You're preaching the message that you have within you, the seed that you have within you right now, presently, every day you live. And God is about to awaken these, these seeds, these, this process, this presence of his word and the presence of his presence where these seeds begin to crack and all of a sudden you begin to experience this different thing in the spirit. Why? Because it's delivery time. You're about to move into a stage of accomplishment where the seed that's been planted in you, this is what the Lord told me. He said, Jamie, this word delivery means to make a pronouncement. He says, I am freshly, it's not that he's doing something different. He said, I am freshly making an announcement right now, an authoritative declaration over seed that has been in my people so long that the moment I speak it, they're gonna begin to crack and something's going to come forth. The things that you've been prophesied over, the things that God has spoken to you, we're in that season right now. We're in that moment right now. And I hate to use the word season because I don't want you to think it's out there. And you know, I'm, I, listen, let me say this. I'm, I don't ever claim to be a prophet. I have preached prophetic message, but I don't claim to be a prophet. But, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, a time frame here. And I am freaked out about doing it. I don't, that's not me. If you guys have ever heard me preach, I'm not in, I may say, you know, season down the road, you know, hopefully this. You've taught, heard us talk about three years. But in a moment here, I'm going to give you something that you're going to get, have to get a hold of. So Luke 2, verse 6, this word deliver is para idome. Here's what it means. Now watch this. This, this is the process of delivery. It means, first of all, surrender. The church is coming into a new place of surrender. 
where we are actually going to surrender our lives in a fresh way. That word surrender means to give up completely. It means to completely agree. Completely agree. To give oneself over to something that has the influence over our lives. I mean, we pray prayers, and I've prayed prayers. You know, Father, I want to use you. Father, I'll do whatever you want me to, Father. You know, and, and what we're doing with those prayers, we're saying, Father, I just want, I want the influence of who you are to supersede the influence of who I am. God's not trying to get rid of you. He loves who you are. He wants to use your personality. If you're a fun person, he wants to, to use that. If you're a giver, he wants to use that. If you're negative, he wants to destroy that. Just thought I'd throw that in. Right? That's what deliver means. It means to yield. To yield. And I, I feel like I'm, you know, I've been serving the Lord. I've been in ministry for 30 years. been pastoring in a denomination for almost 30 years. Now I'm not. And so I've always, the concept of yielding I felt was very easy for me. But I find in the realm of the spirit, sometimes it's really hard just to yield. Right? Whether it's giving, whether it's a, it's a call to a ministry or a gift or, or, or a serving or whatever it is, sometimes it's just hard. The next thing he says, it means to entrust. To entrust. And the Lord told me to tell you this. He trusts you. That was heavy. I felt that go out. He trusts you. To entrust means, listen to this. To entrust means is to trust in you what he's planted. Wow. You call yourself a kingdom person, he trusts you with that. You call yourself faithful, he trusts you in that. God's not focused on your sin man, he's focused on your new man. If you want to be focused on your dead guy, I grew up in the funeral. Business, my dad was an undertaker, my brother's an undertaker. If you want to focus on the dead guy, have fun. Do it. But after a while, carrying that around, it begins to stink. Because it's dead. That stink becomes a part of your life. And so God is not calling us into this massive change. He's calling us into this simplistic revelation of, hey, if you're willing to surrender in this area, this seed in this area that I've planted is desiring to come forth. Your surrender could be the very thing that cracks the casing of that seed. You're yielding your trust. The mirror Bible in verse six says, and there in Bethlehem, her time was fulfilled. Now listen to this. She hadn't given birth yet. But God's perspective of the seed that resides in you 
is it's already fulfilled. I'm just waiting for you to get a hold of it, to believe it, to engage with it, to tap in it. A lot of us have gotten prophetic words and, and probably at some point the Lord said, hey, that prophetic word, if you'll step into this, this is what will happen. God always gives us the truth. That, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And when it talks about he'll come and show you all things or give you all truth and show you things to come, Holy Spirit drops the truth in your spirit and he gives you this glimpse of what that truth looks like in your life. But at some point, you've got to take a step. It's not works. It's intimacy. How would you like it when you got married, your husband said to you, you go up front, I'm just going to stay in the back. I'll say my vows back here. No, no, we're in step together. Let's walk together. Let's hold hands. Let's hold arms. Let's, we're, we're on this journey together. Let's get in step. And so God is just calling us to get in step. So this word accomplish in Luke 2 and 6 is resemblance, possession, and completeness. And Jesus solidifies this truth in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. He said this, since you are children of the perfect father in heaven, become perfect like him. Jesus uttered these words in Matthew 5 and 48. Read it from the Passion Translation. It's amazing. Here's one of my favorite scriptures in Ephesians 4 and 13. And I don't know, oh, they, they, may have, they may have that stuff. I kind of put some Christmas stuff in there. You're like, is that okay? Just to keep you interested, right? Then just scriptures. Like, what's that picture, okay? So here it is. This is Ephesians 4, 13, the Passion Translation. These grace ministries will function until we all attain, attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one in a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Now, let me tell you what happens before this verse. I'm going to rock your world into here with the truth. Are you ready? Before this verse, he actually begins to talk about the dissolving of the fivefold. This, this, this scripture messes me up. Paul said to a church, he said, do I have to go back and teach you the first truths again? Is that what I have to do? Because some people interpret this part of this scripture like it's the rapture. Let me get it up in the Bible. I want to read this for you, Ephesians 4. You can go home and dissect and do whatever you want with it. You ready for this? Everybody got your ears on? And he has appointed some... With grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare the holy believers to do their works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith. Did you catch it? They function till what? Is this heaven? Now, I know right now I am so messing with some of your theology. And I am not saying that I don't believe in the fivefold. We have the fivefold here. 
I believe that's the season we are in right now. So let me ask you a question. Because I'm called to equip you, does that mean I'm more anointed than you? Can you pray for the sick and they be healed? You cast out devils? You prophesy? What's the difference between us? I'm just one of the guys he's chosen to equip you. What about if we constantly were equipping each other? What would that look like? How many of us have been raised that it's all about the apostolic head? I believe in the apostolic. But what if it's just about you and God? You guys look so happy. I, I got to keep reading. It's just so beautiful, this scripture. Watch this. Until we experience the fullness of what it means to be known, to know the Son of God. And finally, we become into one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then our maturity will end. This is not a heaven verse. This is actually talking about stepping into the fullness of our identity where the church actually begins to look like the bride. You hear Noah talk about it all the time. The, 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 and I, listen, I believe in the second coming of Christ, but when we have escapism theology where we're just praying the world sucks, get me out of here, we are totally missing the purpose of who we are. We are the bride. So I've been processing this for about a week, and it's been really hard for me because uh, most of you know me. Like, I'm such a word guy. This, this throws me off. Now watch this in verse 15. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere, sincere in our love as we express truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. Now, listen, he's just told us the fivefold not even here anymore. It served its purpose. I know you're going to process this when you get home. Watch this. But his body, you and me, has been formed in his image and closely joined together and constantly connected as one. Our problem is we're not getting teachings. Our problem is we have a hard time getting into unity. We've got denominational lines. We've got religious lines. We've got belief lines. We've got doctrine lines. We've got all this stuff. We've never been able to move into the simplistic reality that if we could just fall in love with Jesus in such an intimate way, that stuff would fall away and we would actually represent the heart of the Father that the world is desperately looking for. They don't want another church. They don't want another building. They, they, they don't want another denomination. What they're looking for is the real Jesus. And according to James and John, you you and I are him now. 
We have Jesus. We're not Jesus. Don't get me wrong. We're not the Messiah, but we have Jesus in us. And as he is in the world, John said that the oldest living disciple who is the disciple of love, when John said that, he was actually talking about Ephesians, what was written in Ephesians. He heard what Paul said. He said, there's going to come a time when as Jesus was in the world, so will you be. Now, let's put that out somewhere. In some season where we don't have to take responsibility for it. Let's wait for somebody else to crack that seed. To manifest that experience. Listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm not. I'm, this, is, this is my, this is my, my sausage. <laughs> it is. I've had to ground this, this beef up. And I'm hesitant. I'm not, I'm not here to mess with your theology. I'm just simply giving you what I felt like the Father told me to give to you. Right now, we are living in the apostolic moment. What are you going to do if that goes? Well, let me ask you this question. How many of you got messed up because the worship songs weren't on the screen tonight? I, I don't know the words. What do I do? I couldn't engage because I couldn't see the words. Is that what worship is? We having fun? We're having fun, right? We are in right now full term. We are moving into a birthing of maturity that we've never discovered before. And you don't know the arguments I've had with the Holy Spirit about me giving you this word. Because sometimes this is better received by some prophet you bring in. I love David. If I'd have brought David in, you'd be all like. And I love David. That's how we are. I'm just being real. This is Luke 1, 28 and 30. This is the Amplified Bible. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, endued with grace. Now, I want you to see this. This is so beautiful. The Lord is with you. Blessed, favored of God are you before all women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused at what he said and kept revolving in her mind what such a great, uh, uh, what such a greeting might mean. Now, watch the first statement of the angel. The angel said to her, what? I believe we have allowed fears in our life that we define as spiritual fears to rob us of our next moment of spiritual maturity. Now, me and Bert talk about this all the time. When I first stepped into what God is doing in this segment of life that I'm in, my major struggle was I was such a truth religious. I had my doctrine down. I would protect it with my life. I was so afraid of being spiritually wrong that it shut me down from receiving truth for years. 
And if, if you were like, you know, a part of a church like I was and I was the pastor of it, it was like, hey, if you don't believe what we believe, there's a church down the road. But don't ask any questions about my theology because I got my theology down. Well, if you've got everything down, you no longer lead the guidance of the Holy Spirit, so he's not speaking all new truth to you. He's not showing you new things to come. If I know everything, and if I have every truth nailed, and the Holy Spirit's come to guide you into all truth, well, then you're the person that can say, I have all truth now. Holy Spirit, thanks for visiting. And that's what's hard about this. What's hard about it is when you start engaging and you start walking through this different stuff. And what happens is sometimes we yield to fear and we put a spiritual implication on it. We say stuff like, well, I'm just being cautious. My favorite line was, well, I don't want to be wrong spiritually. Lord, I could preach that, but it, what are people, how are people going to receive that? Are you following me? Right? I mean, if you're walking through Walmart and you've seen a guy pushing a cart around, kind of shady looking, talking to himself, and the Lord said, he has a demon, go deliver him. What are you going to do? Lord, he doesn't know me. I'm not comfortable with this. What are the other people thinking? I had something happen to me when I was in Calhoun when we were in revival. Uh, the Lord gave me a message on power, and I was going to preach it that night. So I wanted to do this illustration. I used to be a real big illustration guy. And so I went, to, I went to Walmart, and I was standing in a line in Walmart. I had all my stuff in my hand. I was watching, minding my own business. And I had this real uh, uh, successful looking well-dressed woman in front of me and she had her putting her stuff on the, on the belt and I, and I had this beautiful little black woman behind me and she's a senior woman and she's just sitting there humming, humming, humming and I just turned around and I said, this is cool. And all of a sudden, this, this little black woman in front of me and behind me starts speaking in tongues. Like she is just, and I mean, there's, she's not being quiet. She's like, and she's going off. And I believe in tongues. I'm not gonna mimic that. But anyway, um, and so I'm kind of freaked out. So I turn like this and look at her. And when I turn around, this woman in front of me is in my face. I mean, in my face. God's a liar. He's a deceiver. And she's yelling at me. And I'm there and I'm between this woman and this woman in Walmart. And this is my first thought. You need to go to Kmart. I am not joking. That was my very first thought. <laughs> you need to start shopping at Kmart. And they must have been just a demonic because they're not even around anymore. I don't know what's going on. But I'll never forget it. There were scriptures that the Lord had planted in my heart, and I just began to just muddle them out. Greater is he that is in me, and I just began to all these scriptures. She didn't know what to do with herself. She left her groceries, she left everything but her handbook, and she ran out of the store. And I turned to that little black lady behind me, and I went, you're awesome. I said, you are my backup today. You're awesome. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're not aware because we're just so busy doing our spiritual life and receiving only what we want spiritually and putting this definition of spiritual fear on everything that we don't want to move into, 
that we actually miss the moments of encounters and empowerment. And we are coming into this season right now. He said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace, free, spontaneous, absolute favor, and loving kindness with God. Now, let me declare this over you. You have found grace, free, spontaneous, absolute favor, and loving kindness with God. And that word with means to give oneself wholly to. God's saying, I've given myself wholly to you. Will you give yourself wholly to me? That's what intimacy looks like. This word with means with motion and action. Motion and action. Huh. If you read the story of Mary and the birth of Jesus, you, you see this other beautiful woman. Her name is Elizabeth. And she becomes pregnant with John the Baptist. And her name actually means God is my oath. He is my oath. And so she's having this encounter and Mary finds out about this encounter and it encourages Mary in such a way that she actually has this different level of faith that takes place in her. And Luke chapter one, verse 37 and 38, I believe became a reality for her in that moment. The angel says, for God, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Then Mary, which Mary's main name means beloved. Isn't that interesting? Beloved. She's stepping into this fullness of truth of intimacy. This seed that she's carrying is already starting to empower. She's starting to move in response. Then Mary said, behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. This word handmaiden means a bond servant. It means a voluntarily, a voluntarily saved, a slave, a voluntarily saved, a slave, sorry. She's voluntarily giving her life and committing her life as a slave. She's not a slave, but she's saying, I'm willing to be a slave. This is, I'm not worshiping Mary. I'm just telling you what's going on in her life. Exodus talks about this. It talks about the servant that is so, is so enamored with their master and loves the master that he actually takes him to the doorpost of the house and takes an awl and pierces his ear to the side of the doors of that whole framework. And I love this story in Exodus chapter 12. This word ear means ozen. It's serious devotion. It means to give audience to. And Mary's having this same encounter when she says, handmaiden, I'm giving audience to you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to engage in this. This is a level of devotion that, that God is just calling us into. Not because he's, it's not a bad thing. It's the intimate heart of God saying, I want to be so much more intimate with you than you think I do. Than we are right now. I'm feeling this call on my own life. And the handmaiden of the Lord made this statement. 
Let it be done to me according to what you have said. And the angel left. The term let it be means to be finished, to be fulfilled. It also means to partake. Now listen to this. This term let it be in the Greek and the Aramaic. Let's check this out. I think this is beautiful. It means to be married. In the Greek, let it be. Let us be one. Let us have the same mind, the same heart, the same desire. We're uniquely different. Our emotions may be different. There's power when two walk in agreement. That's what's happening with Mary. Let it be done to me accordingly. Kata is the word. In other words, distribute that with intensity in my life. And this time I'm limber than right now. It means beyond measure. I love the word agreement. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible. It means harmony. And all of a sudden she realized for God, with God, nothing is impossible ever. No word from God's mouth shall be without power or impossible for him to bring to fulfillment. This is who we are. He's making a fresh pronouncement, a declaration over us that is so profound. When I talk about awakening, I'm talking about you hearing the voice of God like you've never heard before. And sometimes that takes a position of rest. It takes soaking. It takes worship. And that's who we're called to be. Ephesians 3 and 2021 says, we celebrate Elohim who supercharges us with power, powerfully from within. Our biggest request or most amazing dreams cannot even match the extravagant proportion of their thoughts. Notice it says there, because we were created in Genesis by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we're triune beings. It means the fullness of his image of Genesis 1, 26, 27, before the fall. This is a reference before the fall. This is a reference of Adam and Eve. And God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Male and female, he created them. He said, of their thoughts towards us. Ecclesia, which is the church. Mirrored in Christ Jesus. The encore continues throughout every generation. Not only in this age, but also in the countless ages to come. Amen. My personal belief, you want to hear my personal belief? I don't believe God's with me till the end because I don't believe there is an end. Oh, is death the end? Is it? Is heaven the end? Can you define eternity? That's why Jesus referred to people as sleep. Just transition. So Mary's about to deliver, to bring forth. Something's going to be born. Something's going to be produced. 
When I first got saved, you've heard me say this. When I first got saved, I was a Coke addict. And um, my first Christmas, my, I'll never forget my first Christmas. I got saved in September. That was my first Christmas. I cried. I know I must have looked depressing, but they weren't tears of depression. I cried from September all the way through January, especially in December. And I had this revelation. I felt like the Lord said, and I got this revelation. I used to say this all the time in that period. He was born for me. He was actually born for me. So I was sitting, the Lord reminded me of this, this term, and I shared this with Noah the other day. And the, and the Holy Spirit said, you know what that meant, right? He said, write this down. He said, I was born for you so you could become what you were born for. Let me say it again. He was born for you so you could become what you were born for. And we are coming into this stage right now of seed just exploding. Now listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 6 and 14. I'm just giving you lots of scripture because sometimes we need that. Now the God who raised us, who raised up our Lord from the grave will awaken and raise us up through his mighty power. So what does that mean? Is that just born again or is that everything that was conquered during his resurrected and death? So if he's raised up with all of that, when we become new believers and we die and our new birth comes, are we not raised up with all of that on the other side of resurrection, the other side of the cross? Makes sense to me. Just makes sense. That's the way it works. It will be a season of abundance of grace. That's what he pronounced over Mary. Grace abounding. You know, we talk about the scripture in Romans 5.20 where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I don't think we really have a revelation of that. When grace truly abounds, there's something that happens in our mind that we see grace in such a way that it actually alters how we do life. It alters how we think. It alters how we see ourselves. It alters how we see others. It alters how we see the world we live in. And right now, the church seems to be focused on all of the problems and I'm in there. I don't watch the news a lot. I watch, it, I watch it one day a week because if you watch it one day a week, that's all you can handle. We have become so problem focused that we're missing the revelation that we are actually problem solvers. That's our identity. As Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego carried in their day to an ungodly environment, you and I are being raised up. And the problem is we've not just settled in and say, Lord, there's seed in me that needs to come forth. It needs to crack. It needs to be birthed. I need to have this encounter with you. And intimacy is one of the main requirements of that. I do not, and, and this is not a negative, I do not want to do 2024 in the same journey I've done 2023. I'm okay with that person, but I do not want to be that person here. I do not want to be living in fear of what's coming when I know I carry the answer. And so God is moving us into this phase. 
of a revelation, abundance of grace, the greatest measure ever. That's what abundance means. It means to prevail in excess. And it changes who we are. And it gives us, this word actually means gives us an advantage. I still struggle with some concepts of grace. Listen to this. This is really interesting. This word uh, abundance in the Greek is periso. It means advantage. But here's the definition of it. It means increased expectation. Now listen, if you go into the Greek and the Aramaic of this verse, the defining definition it gives you is like being in the room with a woman who's about to give birth to a baby. I didn't do that because my daughter-in-law is pregnant. That's actually what this verse means. You're right there. You're right there. She's got her form on. She's positioned. The angels are going, it's coming. It's coming. Push. This is a season now of birthing. Right now. I mean, this, the whole kingdom is about seed and harvest. Yeah, but pastor, can't we just love Jesus and just sit back and let him do it? I mean, let me give you a revelation about Genesis. That's so beautiful. Before the fall, did you hear me? Before the fall, God planted a garden. The Bible says in the New Testament, in the epistles, that it is God who gives seed to the sower. You've already got the seed. Every promise, every promise over your life, every prophetic utterance over your life right now is already seed. You've already got it. So God planted a garden and he put Adam and Eve in the garden to what? Watch it grow. To keep it, to tend it, to guard it before the fall. But I was Adam like, I don't want a garden. You're God. Just make it grow. I can hear God saying, yeah, but that's not how covenant works. If you've only got one person in a marriage pulling for the growth of the marriage, you're going to be in a real unhealthy relationship. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And it's not works when it's intimacy. You're not working towards a place, you're working from a place. You're not guarding to a place, you're guarding from a place. You're keeping from a place. You're pressing in from a place. If I have to force myself to be in intimacy with my wife, that's called an unhealthy covenant. But when I desire to do the things I do that covenant requires and what marriage looks like and what relationship looks like, that means I'm actually moving into a place in my heart where the genuineness of who I am is going to begin to develop properly. I see my place as a husband. I see my place as a man. I see my place as a father. But I see it in light of his truth. It's the same for a woman. 
I'm trying to end it. This is the time for you to establish declarations over your life. I heard the Lord say that to me this morning. I heard the Lord say, let your prophetic words and the Bible verses that the Holy Spirit's be giving you become your language in this season. Why? Because the greatest voice other than God in your life is your own. You carry life and death in your tongue. You carry it. So let me close. Yeah, I know you're saying finally, let's get out of here, let's do this. Let me close, I'm just joking with you. Let me close. I wanna read some scripture for you. Let me close here. I preached a message many years ago in revival. And uh, Lord said, I want to take you back to a truth, but I want to show it to you differently. And it's out of 1 Kings, and I'm going to give you three quick, I mean really fast. I'm going to read them off. You're going to write them down. 1 Kings chapter 18. And many of you know this story. It's the story of Elijah going up against the prophets of Baal. And um, there's three simplistic truths here, and I want you to grab them. Okay? So if you go there and you start reading about this story... Um, they're in a drought. Now, let me just tell you this. I want, I want you to hear me. There's certain things that we have to engage with in our life. If we don't, it actually puts us in a position of spiritual drought. We become dry. We become thirsty. We become bored. Bored with worship. Bored with truth. Bored with revelation. Bored with anything that has anything to do with it. We just become bored. We disengage. We disconnect. Right? Okay. So watch this. He says this. Um, I start at verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near. And watch this statement. And he prepared the altars of the Lord that had been broken down. This is what the Lord said. It's time to rebuild personal altars. Listen, stop getting all of your revelation from somebody else and having to depend on somebody else for the truth that God wants to give you. Take responsibility for your own spirituality. I believe in the, I think the whole Bible is prophetic. But for me to have to live my entire life on just prophetic words, is kind of engaging from the power of the intimacy that I have with the Father. I'm not, I'm not preaching against prophetic words. Don't get out here and say, Pastor, I don't believe it. I'm all about prophetic. I believe the whole Bible's prophetic. So let's look at that statement. So I don't need to give Bert a word. Bert can just read a word and it can prophetically jump off the page at him and say, oh, this word is for me. Lord, define that. Now, I love the moments when Bert or somebody or Josh or Noah, somebody or Brian comes and says, hey, I got a word for you. Or Crystal, I got a word for you. Ah, awesome. It's been a busy week. I would love to hear a word right now. I'm, I'm okay with all that. I'm just talking about our dependence. Well, we have allowed our own altars, our place of intimacy, our place of prayer, our place of self-sacrifice, our place of who we're called to be in intimate relationship with Father to be fallen and broken. And the only time we visit them is if we have a problem. 
So watch this. Elijah's just kindly saying, hey, I got to deal with this. Three years of drought. They're living in an environment that's very unhealthy. Self-worship. All kinds of weird stuff going on. <laughs> it's almost like this day we're living in, but 12 stones. He took 12 stones. 12 is the number of full government in the Bible. God was about to bring full structure back to his people. Restoration of personal altars. Time spent with the Father. See, the first challenge that we face through breakthrough in our lives mostly is the personal engagement that we have with our lover. Who in our case is Jesus and our spouse. So what does that mean? You want to have a rough walk in marriage? Cut off communication. Become silent. Disconnected. Doesn't mean you're getting a divorce. You're still married. You're still in covenant. It just makes it really hard. Right? So the second thing you said to me, listen to this, write this down. You ready? Reactivate the power of your voice. Now, let's be honest. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that us as a church have become very silent when it comes to certain issues that are happening in our world. We are terrified that we are going to offend somebody. Is it just me or does anybody else notice that? We're scared that if we say things from the pulpit, we're going to offend somebody that has their perspective of what life should look like and what the world should look like and their opinion. Therefore, we no longer have an opinion. And I'm not saying, I believe the church's problem has been we've never known how to deliver those messages full of love, grace, and kindness. But where grace abounds, we're going to be stepping into that because our mind shift, our outlook, and our words and our language is going to begin to change. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus because it goes against the ground. Let me just tell you this. The place he was sitting, waiting for money and gifts was his altar. We all have an altar. We're all sitting at an altar right now. We are, everybody in this room has an altar. It's the place where you go to for most of your provision. He's sitting at his altar and he's begging, alms for the poor, alms for the blind. Then somebody says, hey, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. He instantly knows who he is. He starts yelling out, son of David. That statement meant that he recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Now watch this. Have mercy on me. And the church is going, shh. Let's not be too weird. Calm down. He's coming through. We don't want to offend him. We don't want him to turn off and go down this street. We, know we don't worship like that. No, we don't raise our voice. We don't sing those kind of songs. And we only do an hour. Hush. 
It bothered him so much, he said, watch this. He started screaming. Here's my favorite part of the story. All these spiritual people are going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus stops. He says, Bartimaeus, come to me. Bartimaeus could have said, you know I'm blind, right? Because there's nobody there saying, let me help you, Bartimaeus. There's no record of anybody saying, hey, Bartimaeus, let me carry you to the Messiah so you can get your touch. He gets up, he throws his cloak of blindness. I could preach a whole message on that cloak, but he throws his cloak of blindness off and somehow everybody's watching as Bartimaeus is finding his way to Jesus. But here's what I love about Bartimaeus. I believe this. I believe that he is listening to the voice of God. He's listening to the voice of Jesus. And I don't know if this is the fullness of the scripture, but I would like to think that Jesus is not standing there watching Bartimaeus walk around in circles or bump into rocks and posts. He's going, hey, Bartimaeus, I'm over here. Here, here, Bartimaeus, over here. Right? There's something that happens with us when we just have simple obedience. It's the most beautiful thing. We're coming into a season of simplistic obedience. And if we don't start stepping out when God speaks, we'll miss that opportunity. Not that God will ever shut the door. He always gives us the opportunity. But it, it, it speeds your growth up to respond Are you hearing me? His first position was he believed Jesus could do it. His second position was he believed Jesus, listen, he was willing to cry out and go beyond what people thought he was supposed to be on to receive it. And his third position was when Jesus called, he responded. Here's the last one. You ready? Position yourself correctly. Now, let me just say this. I know, I know we, we use things, and, and sometimes when you preach a message like this, you can view it as, I'm having to do all this. If that's your perspective, you need to revisit intimacy. I don't have to take my wife out for supper. I don't have to give my kids birthday gifts. I don't have to do anything but I do because I'm in love. And the problem is if we've been burnt on works and this and that, anytime we hear anything to do with positioning ourselves, we feel like it takes away from the love, the grace, and the goodness of this revelation we have of the God now. And it actually doesn't. It's just what covenant looks like. Two people responding communicating, giving, sharing, walking, agreeing. To the point where Jesus said, those who love me, obey me. They obey my word. You're not earning love. He just said, this is what love looks like. My obedience, my response positions me. It it doesn't create seed. 
It just positions me to the place where I'm saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Crack. Oh, Father, this is what I built my altar for. A deeper level of revelation, a deeper level of intimacy, a deeper level of truth in you. I believe God has so much for us. You know what full term is? Full term, he's talking about Mary, is a 39 to 40 week period. I had to ask my wife the other day, so she, this is her part of the message. Pregnancy, 39 to 40 weeks. There's sometimes, though, I am super glad I'm a man. Can I get an amen in the house? <laughs> I would not be a good pregnant woman. I'm just telling you. <laughs> 39 to 40 weeks. Now, let me just say this. Rebuild your altars. Discover your God-like language and position yourself. And you will be a different person. This is big for me. I don't think you've ever heard me. I haven't ever prophesied dates like spontaneous times like that, have I, Joe? Other than, you know, three-year period. But I'm talking 39 to 40 weeks. There's seed in you that's been sitting dormant. Now, let me just say this because you've got to get it. That plant's not going to look like the plant you're living with right now. You know what I love to do when I buy a plant for my house? I love to buy something that looks totally weird. Where people come in and go, what is that? And I got some marijuana plant. And I'm just joking. Calm down. It's all right. We're just having fun in the house. That'll give you another level of spiritual encounters. But anyway, I like to look at, and I have these two plants, small plants I bought for my house. And they're the weirdest looking plants. They got different colors. The transition of the plant, when you look at it, what kind of plant is that? We're in a season that the seed that's about to be cracked in your life is going to be different than where you are right now. Now listen to me. You're going to do prophetic different. You're going to do healing different. You're going to do deliverance. Your language is going to shift when you talk to people. Your level of discernment is going to shift. I hope I'm not the only one. I hope we're all going together. This is, this is our house word. This is for those folks. You're here right now. You're, you're under this word right now. One apple on your tree is about to come to an end. Right? It's not about the apple. You can count how many apples there are on a tree, but you can't count how many apples there are on a seed. Your seed is endless. It's an ongoing discovery. We're going to get to a place where in this house, you're not going to have to call me to say, hey, can, we help me, can you help me deliver this? You're not going to have to call Bert. You're going to be sitting next to somebody in service and the Holy Spirit's going to give you discernment and in love you're just going to reach over, hey, the Lord has just spoken to me. He wants you to know this about you. I love you, love you. Now can I pray for you? And then you're going to deal with that thing. You're going to look at the person that's sick and you're not going to say, well, I feel like the Lord's telling me to pray for them, but I don't know. I've, I've blown it so bad this week. We all do that. You could live in the life of some of your fav 
favorite spiritual leaders, you'll find out they're just people. They do. They cuss at people at the light. Make gestures with their hands that are not spiritual. They're not scripture verses, Philippians 2 and 1. Listen, I don't know what you're feeling right now. When I sat down and the Lord began to, to give, and I've only given you a portion of it. When the Lord began to, to give this to me, I got so excited for us. Not for me, for us. I'm tired of depending on other spiritual giant slayers to do what I am anointed to do. This is our now moment. And Mary couldn't hold Jesus back. We got a couple of pregnant women in here. Take the challenge when you're about to deliver. See if you can hold the baby back a couple hours. Watch how much misery that will cause you. The spiritual drought in the life of many people in this season is going to come to an end. Families are going to be restored. Marriages are going to be restored. They're, they're going to have so much stuff happening in this moment it's going to leave you in a place of faith that's so supercharged that actually you will believe that nothing is impossible with he who resides within you. Go ahead and stand. I told Noah this was going to be short and I lied. I'm so sorry. <laughs> now what? That's the question. And if not now, when? What are we waiting for? What are we waiting to happen in our lives for us to be who we're called to be? What is it going to take us to get a hold of our identity? Let me just say this. You're not becoming somebody. You're already that. You're just in the position to discover it. It's a big difference. It's a big difference for me to say, I'm working to be that person. I'm not working to be that person. I'm just engaging with the person who says, this is who you are. Rebuild your altars. Use your God language. Position yourself correctly. You know, when I was growing up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, my Sunday school teacher taught us this way she, she would remember it. We would remember it as kids. She said, it's my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. But I'll never forget the story of how they were supposed to bow and worship. You remember the story? So when the musicians start to play, a lot of people don't realize this. In the original Hebrew, it meant to sing a song. When that music played, people bowed and they began to sing and worship just like we do. 
because the voice was creative. And here's the thing. I don't know what 2024 is going to look like. It doesn't scare me. I don't see that. I think it's going to be the greatest year the church has seen so far in its history. But we are going to have to determine the song we sing. We're going to have to revalue our relationship with God. We're going to have to, to step into a revalue of what worship looks like for us. And one of the things the Lord's dealt with me personally, and I'm just going to share this is very quick. He says, there's three things I want you to work on. Misplaced worship. Ready? Misplaced mindset and a misplaced identity. Now, this is the verse for that. You go home and study it. In him, we live, we move, we have our being. Let me just say this. You take any one of those elements out of their position. You can be the most awesome worshiper on the planet, but if you have a misplaced mindset, it'll give you a misplaced identity. If you take misplaced identity and you don't get it and you put it over here, you will only be able to live on a, a worship and a mindset for so long. You've got to have the three of them function. It's not about being perfect. It's about working and growing in connection with the Holy Spirit to develop, renew the mind is an ongoing thing for us. It's a development that God said has to happen. It's not an option. Identity is not an option. It's who you are. And your obedience embraces it. It empowers it, cracks the seed of it. People always say, I'd like to see more people healed. What's the key? Pray for more people. This is not rocket science. I want to see more people come to Christ, witness to more people. Why is it every time we have a movement of God, somebody has to start a ministry? Why can't we just all do ministry together? Right? Put your hand over your heart. So, Father, you are so kind and you are so good and you are so amazing that we open our lives up the prophetic utterance of your word tonight over us. It's not my word, it's your word, it's your truth. Help us rebuild the altars in our life, the place of worship, the place of prayer. Those are the languages of covenant. Guide us through your word. Give us declaration scriptures and truth from your very mouth for our children and our grandchildren and our marriages and our future and our life and our finances and our businesses and everything that you have planted and every seed that is in our life. Move us into a place of identity. Help us to position ourselves. Be obedient to your the smallest of your voice. And I hear the Lord saying, this is going to be a season of the whisper. And 
And the reason I whisper to you is because whisper is my most intimate voice. It's when you have to slow down and rest so you can hear it. It's a place of deep intimacy. It's the place where I can just say your name softly. And you go, yes, Father. We love you tonight. I know everybody in this house loves you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We receive this word. Oh, let it be in our minds, in our actions, in our heart. Let it be a part of our language from this moment forth. We're going to declare who we are. You were born for us so we could become what we were born for. We thank you.